spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and The Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer. And this guy over here, you know him, you love him, a lot more than me, as as everyone keeps telling me, Farmer Dave. Down, down, oh, down, 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 oh, I'm sorry, uh, I have baby goats. Hi, this is Farmer Dave, and I am, well... Down, down. Oh, all the baby goats are all jumping up and down because this is goat feeding time. But that's okay because I'm a trained podcaster slash farmer and I can multitask. Good. I can feed goats and do podcasts. Good to know. Good to know. So uh, it sounds like everything's doing well over at the farm. Over at uh, my neck of the woods, things are doing pretty well we have uh some of the land but next to the cemetery next to the cemetery not on the cemetery that we are doing some gardening and probably show some of that on uh, instagram just as uh dave's chunk of instagram he throws goat pictures up i will throw up goat uh uh-huh, not goat but uh I don't know. Gardening? I, gardening stuff. Yeah, I've got I, I've already got some beans growing. It's pretty awesome. Horticulture or horticulture, yeah. That yeah. was good. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, this this is gonna be exciting. We're gonna have some cool, uh, fun uh country type photos uh this this uh, spring and summer coming up. So yeah, yeah. baby goats. You know and- what it Oh, I'm gonna say you know what H.P. Lovecraft called his tomato, uh, his little tomato plants that he grew. What's that? Horror culture. Oh, that's pretty fun stuff. So speaking of H.P. Lovecraft, uh, you know there has not been much stuff strange. There, there has no been there. There has been no strange case of uh anything in uh uh. Oleander. I, I guess it's uh, opposite of H.P. Lovecraft, but yeah, no, no. Uh, things have been kind of dull here, but not, so, so, not, not, so, not in our region. So, 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 so you, you know, this is how, and people who listen to this for a while will know that this is strange. But you know, I finally got loose a little bit from all these baby goats, uh-huh. and, and so I went to see my friend Bjorn and Sven and Sven. Yeah. And they weren't making luda fish; they were barbecuing hamburgers. Oh. Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess if you have a cattle ranch, you probably eat hamburgers once in a while. Uh-huh. But yeah, I've never known them to eat anything American. They always eat Norwegian or Scandinavian food. Well, maybe maybe, uh, maybe it was a Hamburg-style steak sandwiches they were having. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Does, so, does, 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 does the hamburger have mustard and ketchup and cheese on it? Uh, it doesn't necessarily. It's just a ground, ground seasoned beef that is uh, cooked. It's it's a Hamburg style steak, yeah. and 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 simply putting bread around it makes it a sandwich. So I mean, yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> so all right. Uh, enough of history of the hamburger. Uh, wow, those goats are loud. So, Dave, uh, Boring Oregon has been less boring, apparently. If you have been uh, paying attention to anything on KZOM uh, lately, we've been uh, breaking this lately. There's a lack of people in Boring Oregon. Uh, the streets of Boring Oregon are empty. 
Uh, we're not quite sure what's going on. There hasn't been any kind of evacuation notice. We have heard nothing, and we are seeing nothing in Boring, Oregon. So, really, I mean, I mean, I'm not doubting you, but yeah. Other, other than you know Bjorn and Sven and Sven's and a, and a run over to A1 supermarket and taxidermy for food, not taxidermy, and of you know the feed store. I, I just have not been out of the farm within the last week. Well, I so, I, so you say you know more about what's going on than I do. So I I just know this stuff because uh, you know to get access to uh, recording equipment, I do kind of clean up a bit at the radio station. So we heard some stuff, and I was hanging out, and I heard a report earlier today about what was going on in Boring, Oregon. Uh, there's there's going to be some people, uh, Multnomah, not Multnomah, uh, Clackamas County Sheriff's Department is looking into this. So by the time that this comes out, this stuff will all be solved and everything, and everyone will know what's going on, and yeah, it'll I'm be all sure. good. I'm sure you can probably just go on the internet and look it up, and everyone will be like, oh, boring's fine, don't worry about it. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, I hope it has. I hope it has nothing to do with that... Hugh from the Beyond the Cosmos. The about a month ago. The 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 tint from Out of Time. Yes, the pigment from Beyond the Stars. Ooh, the extraterrestrial. Um, I I ran out. I ran out again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. You, no. you want a Baba? You want a Baba? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not talking to you. Oh, you no, no. Papa? I figured here, here, you were. Here, here, here. Have some milk. Baby goats don't like it when you tease them. Oh, yeah. No. So, yeah. No, no. I uh, I hope it has nothing to do with that chunk of sky matter that flew out there that uh, that, that bit of time ago. Ba- back in March, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And then, then are there, like, vegetables all, like, like, Go super big and then spoil real early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. There's farmers market. Their their vegetables grew really fast and weird and strange. Spoiled really quick, and now everything's just kind of quiet. So hmm. I hope everything's okay. I mean, meh. I'm sure. Don't hit bet your brother. It's coming. I, hear, <laughs> I, I can do this. I can do both at the same time. I promise you. There's a little wobbly cuckoo. So I can do both. Here, here, here you go. But yeah, I, I too am concerned. All right. So, well, to get our minds off uh, being concerned about our uh, neighbors uh, in uh, Clackamas County, uh, what, what kind of interview do we have this week? I didn't interview anyone, so I figure you know. So we have. Uh, Aaron Foringer. And Aaron is a science fiction writer, but he also does a lot of sort of local history for different publications, such as nice. the VFW and you know, uh-huh. local tourist ads. But he works for a company that uh-huh. um, I won't really mention name here, but he might have access to some of the latest Star Wars attractions in Ooh, Florida. Very so, cool. Uh, so, yeah, we get both a, a science fiction writer, but someone that might have some, you know, uh, eyes on the ground uh, in one interview. Nice, nice. And after that, we're going to be doing some more uh, D&D. It's mama milk. It's mama milk. It really is. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. D&D on Mama Milk. No, not Mama Milk. The Monomyth. We're going to be talking about the Monomyth. Joseph's Campbell. Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces or anything like that. And again, we are not experts. We're just two goofballs who like talking about nerd stuff, geek stuff, goof stuff. I don't know. Um, things off the beaten path and uh, doing make ups So... Check us out if, you know... you just Part two, the it, initiation. If you're just here to hear your friend talk, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, listen to your friend talk and then go. That's what the interview's for. So, hey. All right. We'll hear uh, the interview. We'll get uh, Aaron we're talking to. Yeah, Aaron Foringer. All right, Aaron Foringer. And after that, we will have d and We'll have, the hey, I promise, we'll bring that... Oh, no, yes, yes. D&D on the, the monument. But yeah, alfalfa. 
Alfalfa, you want some alfalfa? You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Thank you very much, and you are listening to the Farmer Dave Show on 11.30 a.m. in Clackamas County. And we are on Radio Free Oleander, and I am really excited about uh, uh, an artist or a writer that we have, and that is Aaron Foringer. Uh, Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here, Dave. Excellent. So, uh, you know, you are you write science fiction, but I really like you've done a lot of freelance uh, history, military history writing too. Yeah, I've I've done a bit of that too to to help pay some bills. A little bit of freelance, uh, mostly when I lived up in Western Pennsylvania. I uh, covered uh, the area for, for a local travel magazine, and I've also written for VFW Magazine, the national magazine that, that covers the VFW is, uh, issues. Well, excellent. And uh, let, let, tell us a little bit about your, your, your science fiction writing. Uh, my science fiction writing is primarily the Outfitters universe, which is found in four books and currently two short stories. Uh, the four books are all found at smashwords.com and the outfitters universe is a kind of a hodgepodge thing of people are, uh, selected, recruited by the outfitters. The outfitters are a almost omnipotent, uh, alien group entity. Never really sure uh, about who they are, but they set up uh, people from Earth's history. They just pluck people out of Earth's history and give them the tools to fight a alien empire that's encroaching upon Earth. That's coming in and it's going to absorb Earth into its empire. And uh, the Outfitters give the uh, Earthlings uh, the choice to whether or not to fight them or not, and uh, give them the tools and uh, set it up so that they can help Earth out their home. You know what people in northern uh, Oregon call people like or entities like that? What's that? Ultra-terrestrials. Ultra-terrestrials, yeah. Ultra-terrestrials, yes. Ultra-terrestrials. It was actually um, uh, the guy who wrote, um, uh, Richard Keel, who wrote... uh, Oh, the Mothman prophecies came up the term. Okay. That's a, that's a big term over here. Like, I like of, that. I'm going to have to remember that. Ultra terrestrials. Yeah. 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 So. Well, excellent. Yeah. No. And, and I, what I've read, I really love. Um, mm-hmm. And and this is this is a grand compliment for me. I think it's sort of like, I mean, it's definitely got that time travel. But I, I, I have a, one. Yeah. But I have a, I get a very strong. Uh, David Drake vibe from it when I read it, and that that's a high compliment. Yeah, yeah, I, I've read a little bit of David Drake. I, I can't remember the title right now, but I remember the David Drake's uh, the uh, titles. Ha- and... Hammer Slammers. Yes. Oh, yes, Hammer Slammers. Yes, I love Hammer Slammers. So yeah, so, so yeah, it has, like has a bit of that feel to it. Yeah. yeah, kind of hammer slammers recruited from different periods of time. So it mm-hmm, kind of has mm-hmm. a feel to me. So yeah, great yeah. stuff. And DB is going to leave some links here okay. uh, in the show notes. Great. But but we are we are celebrating for May mm-hmm. is we are celebrating Star Wars. And not to give out anything, but you and I are roughly the same age. We're the same mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. Gen X. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any maybe real experiences as, as a young adult or as a child? Or, oh, as uh, a or child, yeah. I, I saw yeah. Star Wars in the uh, theaters in the late 70s, of course. Um, I, I remember it well. I went with my younger brother, Kevin, uh, our friend Todd, and his dad took us to the Lamplighter Theater in Erwin, PA. And it was a one-screen Main Street movie theater, and it was just phenomenal. Uh, we just loved it. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Todd was uh, Todd got all the toys. It was great. Yeah. He even had the Death Star, the, the one section of the pie, you know, with the gun yeah. on top and the and the little thing and and the uh, thing that Obi Wan could go around and turn off the the uh, power. And yeah. uh, and he also had the Millennium Falcon and so forth and i came from a fam- family of three boys and he had a lot more he had the star yeah. wars tours i don't think i ever owned a single star wars tour <laughs> to- toy when i was a kid so 
but yeah, uh, we told it last week, you know, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't realize as a kid that we were poor. I just thought we were the luckiest people in the world that the day before payday, we ate popcorn for dinner. You know, I didn't get that we were poor. I, I don't and think so, we were. I don't think my family was poor. I think they were just very frugal, very yeah. smart with their money. And uh, we made Chef Boyardee pizzas from the yeah. box. If you remember those. Oh, I remember I, those. I don't even know if that's still around. And my mother, instead of having pepperoni, we'd put hot. She'd slice hot dogs and put them uh, on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so instead of the Star Wars action figures, my mom would make with me or, or force me to make up uh, with um. Oh, uh, clothespins. Yeah, I, I heard and you we telling that story them, yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. And that, but, but yeah. So when we first saw it, I was the last one in my school to see it because uh-huh. you know my, and we saved up. My parents saved up to take mm-hmm. me, so we went to the drive-in. Oh boy! <laughs> and and this was in you know Southern California. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Three hundred and fifty days of beautiful weather. Yeah. And it fogged. And it fogged in the dicey weather. It fogged out. And, you know, know, I'd read the little books, scholastic books, you know, so, and I was just, Uh uh, you know, so amazed. And and my parents, they didn't know what was happening, but, you know, I followed through. And and then, like, six months later, because they were still playing for like a year Mm -hmm. in the theater. Yeah. And my aunt took me and my nephew, and I'd say, Oh, that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had, I think I had a Starlog magazine. Mm. And at, and, and, and the first couple pages were like very small black and white stills. Or, you know, like a quarter of the page was a picture of like C-3PO and Luke and Han and all the people. And I think I read that thing cover to cover so many times. Just, wow, this is Star Wars. And it was great. It even had an artist rendering of uh, Darth Vader fighting a Tuscan Raider with a lightsaber. Oh, uh, so sounds so cool. Just thinking about it. I, so, I, uh, I, I have to dig up this issue now. Now that you made me want to look this up and see if I can find that issue or w- if it was Starlog magazine. So. so, so unfortunately it closed two weeks ago, actually like two weeks Friday, but, um, we have oh, Star a Log used did? bookstore. No, 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 a used bookstore oh, called oh, Cameron's okay. Book in Portland. Oh, okay. And and I was strolling through there a couple years ago before this whole COVID, mm-hmm. and it was the Star Log Star Wars Christmas special was right oh, on the wow. top. You know, and, and, and whose picture is in front of it? B. Arthur. <laughs> One of her weirdest creds ever, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> she said it. She goes. I vaguely knew there was a Star Wars thing, but I didn't understand any of this. <laughs> so, so as an as a writer though, and, and mm-hmm. I mean we all all bring our own stuff, but we bring another thing. You know, do you oh, find yeah. that you're in any way influenced by by Star Wars or? Oh or just- yeah, I mean we we all want to be Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or Leia or whoever we want to be. And then I think that always translates into, you know, if you become a writer, you know, our dreams are, you know, I, I know you write as well. And uh, sometimes I, I live, I think of my stories and I tell myself the stories more than I write them down. I want to live them. Yeah. And, and I think everybody else does too. And I think that's, you know, the genius of writing is anybody else. We can invite them into our, our minds to tell these stories that, that, that we're telling ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and something that was that part of our childhood, it, it has to come back in, in, in ways maybe we don't consciously get, Oh no, but, yeah. but, but you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. until about the end of, uh, return of the Jedi. Uh-huh. And I found out that Leah was his sister. Then I started. <laughs> then I didn't want to be. Oh, oh maybe I'll be Han. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you have some uh, where you're living. You have uh, some interesting things going on now about Star Wars. Yeah, I uh, I work for a very, very, very large corporation. That's Which, uh, one of their places is based in Orlando. I'm sorry. Did you had something? Oh, which uh, will not be named. Yes, that shall not be named because I'm not an official spokesman for them or anything. 
And uh, I uh, I got to be in on the ground floor before it opened. It opened uh, Galaxy's Edge opened August 29th, uh, 28, 2019. And I was in that section of the park on August 2nd. That's when I started working back there. I was on the ground floor team and I got to experience it every day for the next uh, three months. And also worked uh, in the backstage area of Rise of the Resistance. Oh. And so, so I got that, to meet I'm the Imagine. I got to that. meet the guys called Imagineers, if that gives oh. anybody a clue of who I work for, and talk to them and see how they did their work and those guys are just incredible people, the uh, the Imagineers. So. Well, that's incredible. Now, my understanding is that there is more real uh, Williams original Williams music in the park than there is in all the movies combined. That he wrote brand new hours and hours of new stuff. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. But the soundtrack that plays in my mind all the time, because I would be in there. I would be in there in the evening shift and we would shut down the park after the fireworks and everything. And everybody had left. And, uh, I, uh, we would walk along the one side is kind of a, uh, a, a wooded area. And there is all kinds of sound effects and animal noises and such coming out of that area. It's kind of creepy actually. So, Oh, I, I bet out out of context without the tourists, I bet it is. Oh yeah, it, and it's it's really neat to be in this area, especially when there's nobody there. It's it's really fascinating, um, and I I know the area very very well. Um, some of the neat things that uh, the the corporation has put into it, or and they do this many times, is homages to earlier rides and attractions that were there. Okay. There is uh, in the land speeder garage. There is two uh, hovering land speeders. Oh, cool! Uh, one is the brownish one from the first Star Wars movie, uh, okay. New Hope. Uh, and on that, they have a steering wheel, and that came from Lights Motor Action, uh, one of their stunt cars. Oh, nice! They repurposed nice. it uh, right outside the Den of Antiquities. There's a pile of crates, and on it, on one of the crates, is a very large foot, and that foot came from the Great Movie Ride. Ooh. Okay. And uh, let's see what else. Oh, here's a here's a great story. I talked to you about meeting the Imagineers and everything. Um, before the park opened, I'm sitting around, and they're they're still doing their fine tuning. They're still doing their finishing touches on the outside area, and uh, I come in one day. And how they have wind chimes up. Is it supposed to be a, a, a living, working area for these sure. people that live in uh, Black Spire Outpost? And now they have wind chimes outside of the upper doors on the apartments. I'm going, oh, I thought this place was done. It's not done. They're still adding the little things. Fine-tuning? Yes, fine-tuning. And I'm, and uh, one of the first people I met in there back there, the Imagineers, I'm, I'm a curious guy. I talk to everybody. And uh, there's this lady outside of Ronto Roasters, which is a, uh, a quick service restaurant. And they uh, have a, a robot turning a spit, turning a spit of meat on what looks like an engine cooking the meat. I, I see the pictures. And occasionally uh, jets of steam come down as a special effect. And so I'm talking to her. I said, what do you do here? And I can tell she's a boss just you can tell what a, how a boss acts. She goes, I'm in charge of everything under 10 feet. Everything that's under 10 feet that is a prop or something like that, she was in charge of her, – her team was in charge of designing it. She goes, do you want to hear a neat story? I said, sure. She goes, you see this? Uh, motioning towards the big hunk of meat and the steam coming off the engine and everything. She goes, we did it out in California first, the Galaxy's Edge uh, area out in California. And she goes, and then we came down here and we, we set up this one. And I, and she goes, Florida is a little bit different than California, though. We had the same settings, everything else. And when we set off the jet engines or the steam engines, I should say, the whole room filled up with steam. 
because uh, <laughs> Florida has a little bit higher humidity than humidity. California. So, <laughs> oops. So the whole she goes, we had to turn it back a notch or two. I said, yeah. of course you did. Can't can't be soaking the the tourists with steam. And then I was um, again after the park was closed, and uh, there's a area the where they you can build your own droid. Um, hmm. The the cast calls it build a droid, like build a bear. But yeah. <laughs> that's it's called the droid factory or what have you. And so I'm going in there and we're having trouble with the door. So I have to stay a little after we close down and and make sure that everything's fine and have to hang out with. And they and behind the conveyor belt, there's just stacks of droid parts, you know, bodies and tops and arms and legs and everything else that are sitting above the conveyor belt. And I've been going in there a couple times and it just looks like a pile of junk, but that's what the place is. It's, you know, to yeah. build a droid. I go in there and the Imagineers are taking everything down off the shelf and they have a plan where everything goes. Just where I thought it was junk. Now they have a plan. This body goes here. This body goes there. This head goes, you know, and so forth. I'm going, holy moly. This is the attention to detail this corporation yeah. puts into things. So. Everything in the in the Galaxy's Edge is there and it has a purpose and there's usually a story behind it. So. Oh, I'm sure. When, yeah. when I was a, a kid, you know, or, or young adult, my mm-hmm. favorite, the one ride that I never mind waiting in line for, mm-hmm. was Star Tours, because it was just so fascinating. You know, the oh, robots yeah. would talk to you. Yeah, and yeah. You could see it, and and you know, you really did feel it's there, and it's so nice to hear that. You know. Even if you can look behind the curtain once in a while, mm-hmm. you still get that that feeling. Yeah, and it's changed so many times over the years. I've ridden the one out in Disneyland. I've ridden the one here several times. And every couple of years, they go through and redo it. Um, and uh, the one out in Disneyland, I know they've actually changed. It changes from each time you ride it. Uh, wow. They have different displays and such that you're, you're going to. One time you're getting chased by Slave 1 through the asteroid belt. Another time you're, you're along the Death Star in the trench. Um, and just those little glimpses, you jump from hyperspace to hyperspace and into these little vignettes. So, but, yeah, no, uh, I, I really want to get, I'll probably be on the West Coast. I'll probably go to the California one before I go to the Florida one. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm really excited to see that. So, and, and we're getting close to getting getting out of this tunnel. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. It's you, Disneyland is now open again. Uh, yeah. My park is not is has been open for a while. So, yeah. but so so I got a question for you, and mm-hmm. we're about out of time, but uh, okay, we'll hope to have you on again soon. But okay. let's say let's say that somebody came to you and said, "Yeah, that's it. You're in charge of any one Star Wars project." book movie uh, theme park anything what would it be i would like to write stories in the star wars universe of a kind of day-to-day life uh thing just sort of like what exactly does a moisture farmer <laughs> what does he do what i mean yeah. you know i there's, there's talk in scientific worlds how common water is i mean that's the big thing in our in our in our uh solar system how how important water is to you know what does a moisture farmer do and what's his you know trials and tribulations and you know i'd probably have to work it into somewhere where um the emperor empire is trying to tax the uh the water and you know how much comes into onto tatooine and how much they control that and things like that i would like to explore the day-to-day aspects of the of the universe and yeah, uh, no, maybe no, maybe trying to make it epic, but you know that's kind of what they started with Luke Skywalker. Yeah, you know, you know Edger Brigger, Briggers, you know that's kind of started yeah. that way. And or maybe do a, a murder mystery somewhere, you know, and uh, it looks like he was killed by a, a lightsaber, but is that true? Did he actually? Get, is, is there a lightsaber out there floating around that a murderer is using or something? You know, yeah, something along those lines. You know, or or maybe there's there's uh, Ewok fur in his wound, or God only knows. I I. Come up something something interesting if I, I was ever given the chance. Yeah, and no, I think so. you do a great job. I, I don't know if I could do justice to what I would love to do. Oh yeah, but, I mean it's so well, hard to play in somebody else's universe, you know. Yeah, 
But the the one thing that I really have liked since Marvel took over the comic books mm-hmm. is, is Doctor Afra, mm-hmm. which is is this kind of if Indiana Jones met was Boba Fett, and I don't know if you read the comics, but she's she's an archaeologist, mm-hmm. but she's she ends up doing the good, doing what's right and the good, okay, mainly because it it's gonna save her life. But so she's kind <laughs> of she kind of walks that thin line between mercenary and, and I would love to, to write a, a Doctor Afra arc. Ah, oh, okay, great, yeah, yeah. So, but would you want to do it in the comic book form or the the written out form? You know, I would think comic book, but the the one short story written by her was written by a, a by a, a, a Greg Rucka, who okay, is, okay. started out. He's a comic book writer, but he started mm-hmm. out as a, a, a novelist, and mm-hmm. so uh, you know, I. I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be choosy. I whatever they gave me. I'd <laughs> hey, it's a it's, it's a big company. I mean, if, yeah, I I'll write whatever you want me to write. <laughs> well, yeah, like I, I said, we will definitely need to have you back on, but uh, and we'll put some things in the the show notes. But uh, okay. where can where can our listeners find uh, find your writing? My writing. Uh, all my books can be found at smashwords.com under the, my title, A.A. Foringer. Uh, it's A.A. and the last name Foringer, F-O-R-R-I-N-G-E-R, A.A. Foringer. That's also my website, aaforinger.com. Um, and I have four science fiction books out. And if I may be so bold as to encourage people, if they want to buy them or uh, email me, and I might send them a, a download code to to download it i would suggest starting with the book uh, disconnect which is w- the uh, renegade tale in the outfitters universes there's right now there's only two types of stories in the in my outfitters universe there's the fleet sto- the fleet stories which is stories covering the awakening where after they awaken from the ultra uh, aliens is that the, am i using that properly the ultra, ultra terrestrials ultra terrestrials i'm sorry ultra terrestrials uh where they they wake up and and form this fleet and then you have the renegade tales which are people that decided i don't want to fight no war and they go off on their own and explore the universe and uh the hero of the uh, renegade tale disconnect is a guy named arthur who just wants to see the universe and uh, if I may be so bold, I would suggest everybody start out with Disconnect. I think it's one of my strongest stories, and uh, I, it's it's a lot of fun and pretty interesting, I think. So, well, excellent, excellent choice, and we will definitely have you back on. And just a reminder that coming this weekend, the Oleander High School is doing a. Uh, the our town, but because of COVID restrictions and spacing, they will be doing it at the football slash rugby field. And <laughs> if you aren't sure of the story, that the alumni club is selling the Cliff Notes version, so you can sound tell your children that you understood what was going on at the doors. <laughs> hey, thank you. Uh, it sounds so like something much. I might want to attend. <laughs> Just to see the staging yeah. of it. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna be yelling on bullhorns. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for doing this. No problem, no problem. Are we are we finished now? Joseph Campbell's Monomyth. Hey everyone, we are back. Dave did. Did uh, the goats get that alfalfa? Uh, they're getting the alfalfa now. They, they usually calm down when they get their alfalfa. Oh, I remember when I was a teen having to bail alfalfa, like unload it from you know several trucks and then load it into a barn, like several, 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 like I don't know, like not 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 to safe heights, but and then slowly undoing that alfalfa to feed horses over the course of several months and then having to do that again in a few months after 
<laughs> we, 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 we'll try that like three days after. Yeah. <laughs> I hate baling hay and alfalfa. Oh, man. Hay's not too bad. Alfalfa, uh, those of you who don't know, alfalfa weighs a lot. <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. I could go on and on for hours, but the difference between the weight and consistency of wheatgrass mm -hmm. and alfalfa but let's talk about something more interesting oh you want to talk about some joseph campbell monomyth i would love to talk about some joseph campbell monomyth all right Let and so we the first part we talked about the departure so we our hero departure and let, let's be politically correct here or heroine uh has departed so they've left what they were they left what they're familiar they're yes. in a new land, and they got basically had to go through some trial to get there. Mm -hmm. The belly of the whale, and next comes uh, the road of trials. The road of trials, yeah. Uh, once having traversed the threshold, the hero moves into a dream landscape of curiosity, fluid, ambiguous, uh, <laughs> ambiguous forms, where he must survive or she a succession of trials. This is a favorite phase of the myth adventure. It ha has produced a world literature of miraculous tests and ordeals. The hero is covertly aided by the advice, amulets, and secret agents of the supernatural helper whom he met before his entrance into this region, or maybe where he discovered for the first time that there is a benign power elsewhere supporting him in his supernatural passage. Da -da 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 -da. Chime sounds. So, so, and you know, this doesn't have to be a, a one and done either. No. So, 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 let's take our buddy Luke Skywalker. Sure. This this happened a couple times to him, mm -hmm. and once he was guided there by uh, Obi Wan, mm -hmm. who um, when he went to the you know he went into Mos Eisley and he sees the new world, this different world in the cantina. Mm -hmm. But it also happens to him in Dagobah. Yeah. And this time he, he's uh, guided by by Yoda. And, you know, it's all these creatures there, but, but also, you know, the, the cave. So this could happen more than once to a, to a person. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Do you have maybe any examples you wanted to use as the, the road of trials? Oh, I like normally I feel like the road to trials in a lot of movies or stories is literally the road of trials. It's like someone went, oh, I should have a road of trials, and then they literally have, you know, a series of ordeals that they have to go through where the magical thing or the uh, young boy who turns out to be a princess or, you know, a general fantasy kind of rigmarole that comes along with uh, your, your monomyth, you know, they, 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 they just go, road of trials, and it's just generally... It's like a bunch of stuff happens on almost kind of like a railroad, you know, a straight line. <laughs> it's like we go from the place that we leave to the market town that we have to go to find. Oh, actually, no, we're past market town. We're uh, we, we, to, to get to the to get into the stronghold or to get into the big city or, you know, to get into the depths of the slavers or, you know, what, whatever it is to, to, to get into like the very under unknown kind of thing. And... Or, or the golden the golden brick road to Oz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I oh, thinking about Oz because we've covered Oz on on this this show in the past, at least Black Clock Audio Tales. I'm like trying to think of uh, the road to trials in Oz. It's like all kinds of various things, whether or not it be. Uh, I, oh, I, my my brain is totally not remembering various things that Dorothy had to... Uh, the, the poppies and, and, you know, not being scared by the lion and, you know, uh, uh, the trees that threw apples at her. That's that's the one I was thinking of. That's the one that I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's every time that she met someone, she also had to kind of, like, deal with their garbage of, like, oh, how do I get this guy moving, like, in the movie? How do I get this guy moving? How do I, you know, get get 
get this person motivated? How do I not be afraid of this person and also get them to like do something? <laughs> and, and, and to sort of this really is sort of this universal constant. Mm-hmm. The the Oz books were written decades before the Hero with a Thousand Faces. Oh yeah, yeah. But the Oz was supposed to be a modern modern telling of the classic myth. I mean, it was supposed to be like classic, like uh, like classic Greek storytelling, but with like <laughs> modern invention and intention. And, and Americanize it. Yeah, yeah. But now, sort of bring my sort of favorite heroine for this story, you know, the same thing, you know, uh, Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. she sort of has this experience, too, you know, afterwards, the Joker introduces her to this, this, you know, the world of crime, but all these other sort of strange, the penguin, and, and again, in the, the Batman stories, the, the, the magic is insanity. Yeah. You know, and, and where she and... And Joker can tap into this insanity that allows them to do, you know, terrible things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they couldn't do before. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. we kind of get with the meeting with the goddess. Meeting with the goddess, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, the ultimate adventure when all barriers and ogres have been overcome is commonly represented by a mystical marriage of the triumphant hero's soul with the queen goddess of the world. Uh, kind of like, uh, <laughs> the, the, the pinnacle of, of like, uh, like kind of like the edge of what is known. You're, you're at, at, at a point now that it's, it's, it's like... Oh, I, I I don't know how to describe it. It's 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 kind of like where wherever you're at in your story, you're kind of like as far out as you can go, as far as you can imagine, as far as the character. It's like there is absolutely no kind of safety net at this point. Meeting with the goddess. So 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 I think that modern writers mm-hmm. sort of bypass this one. And, and kind of do it superficial in quite a bit. Um, you know, I'm going to say, uh, and, and well, okay, I'm going to say, so I've always thought that in for Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. it was Leah. Yeah. You know, she's she's what inspires him. And, and you know, he finds out that she's his sister, mm-hmm. but that's she embodies the truth. Yeah. She embodies the truth about what the Empire is, mm-hmm. you know, what their family was, who their father was. So I've always thought, and, and you know what, especially modern writers, they can tweak this, they can put it on top of their head, especially someone like Lucas who knew, you know, what he was, what he was dealing with. You know, it doesn't always necessarily have to follow this. Yeah. But Neil, I've always thought it was, you know, Trinity. Mm-hmm. You know, Neil becomes Neil not because of the truth, because of Trinity. All right. Uh, so I think this is kind of the, the toughest one for modern writers. Um, I don't know what I, and I think a lot of time maybe the toughest the writer kind of skips that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, uh, but. So I will say, so for Harley Quinn, the goddess is event is herself, his own her own womanhood when she finally gets the, and so they don't have to be necessarily in order, especially modern writers. But when she finally comes to herself, that you know that she doesn't need Mister J and that she's her own person, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that that's the goddess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one that uh, popped into my head that is actually like um, almost like the classic like Campbell description of it, and actually I'm pretty sure is influenced by it, is Frank Herbert's Dune when mm-hmm. uh, uh, Paul Atreides meets. Uh, oh goodness! <laughs> oh man, it's been too long. And the now... Bene Jesuit? Or... No, 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 no. I, I, I was, I was. Um... <laughs> his wife. Uh, one of the women who will uh, become one of his wives. Yeah. Uh, uh, the uh... <laughs> uh, the yeah. Sean Young. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If if we're going with the movie, Sean Young's character. Uh, 
like kind of like meeting like this 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 village meeting these people who live in a way that he can't even imagine that is so far removed from anything that he knew and also but it's also kind of this like she represents I, I mean like um, in hyperrealism terms she represents like a group of people but she also represents kind of like all kinds of like Jungian archetypes that I don't want to go into because I don't necessarily think they're great. <laughs> but which then brings us into the next thing as woman is temptress. And I don't even know how to talk about it. It's like in this step, the hero faces those temptations often as a physical or pleasurable nature that lead him astray and abandon him from his quest. It doesn't necessarily need to be a woman. It could be um, like, uh, a land of pleasure, it could be, and, and that could be represented, like, a land of pleasure could be represented anything as, like, um, Las Vegas to, like, hollow suites in, like, Deep Space Nine. I mean, um, woman is temptress, it, I think is kind of a gross sexist term, but I think just kind of, like, um, kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say that it's a very 1940s term. Yeah. But it could be anything you desire. Yeah, yeah. And, and so for Luke, it could be being a family with his father. Yeah. So, so, so it's it, it's what you desire. Oh, and, and um, uh, it, her name was Chani. Oh, thank you, thank you. I was like, Chani. it's not Charlie. It's not ooh. It's, yeah, Chani. Yeah. Yeah. But but so yes, and I think you're right. That this is written in very sort of 1940 terms. Um, and, and you know what? It could be the reverse. Mm -hmm. So so for for Harley Quinn, you know the first the first temptress is Joker. Yeah, it's a bit, and then later it's Poison Ivy. And but the real. The real temperance, it's not a human, it's not a male or a female, mm -hmm. it's the freedom. Hmm. And we see this in a lot of her later story arcs, you know, it is that the freedom to be herself, that's what she's seduced by. Hmm. And that's why she kind of becomes, you know, a sort of an anti-hero, not a, not a villain, she kind of becomes an anti-hero when she becomes her own character. And it's the freedom... That really seduces her. Gotcha. But yes, I agree. That's sort of a very, and, and, and he was a classicist, but that is yeah. probably a very nineteen forties, yeah, um, terminate term there. Sure. Yeah. And as I said, based off of Jungian archetypes <sighs> that I don't want to get into because I don't necessarily think, I don't know, maybe great for storytelling, but not necessarily great for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So so we have one mm -hmm. that just just the phrase itself, just the phrase itself sounds like Star Wars. Atonement with the Father slash Abyss. Yes. <laughs> like <coughs> excuse me. So, I, I, I know that scene in Return of the Jedi. I know that scene in Empire Strikes Back. What's that scene in A New Hope, if we're going to call it by its modern name? So, I think, I think that, first of all, I think that's evidence that, that first of all, Lucas had always had it planned out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think that it's kind of backed up, that Leia's his sister is kind of was thrown in. But I think he always planned out to be the father. And, and so the atonement with his father in A New Hope is the acceptance that he led a life of adventure. That he did, that Obi-Wan's story is true and Uncle Owen's story is not true. Oh, okay, okay. But, but let's, let's, let's think... And, and I'm going to be a little dangerous here, 
but let, let's say where this comes from, this whole concept. I mean, and we see a lot of that for um, the atonement with the father, you know, Mordred and Arthur, um, Thor and Odin. But, but the real, I think, the example that the Campbell used is Christ. Okay. And I think is that that moment, and I, and I don't mean this disrespectful, and for those who are not religious, uh, I, I mean this as the Bible is literature, but it's that moment before the cross. I think this is one of the things that Campbell was talking about, where, you know, Jesus says, you know, I don't want to do this, but thy will be done. And that's where, you know, we, we break the word atonement, mm-hmm. you look at it, you know, it literally breaks down to at one minute. Okay. And, and so that's where, you know, Christ's will and the Father's will became the same. Not that, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not challenging anyone's theology. I'm breaking sure. this up in, in, as writing. You know, and it says, you know, they did, you know, what grew in favor of God and man. But but that is, you know, at, that's the moment where where Christ went through this thing he didn't want to do. So, would this be like, this is this is just, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but, like, my brain just went, so this is a moment where, like, Luke is kind of forced to accept the fact that the, that the Force is a real, real, real thing in a very kind of violent, horrible way. <laughs> yeah, this, you know, he won't fight his dad. Oh, oh uh, you know, it's like, Luke Skywalker sees Obi-Wan Kenobi get struck down and is like, Wah! Yeah, exactly. And he's got to sort of accept that as the will of the Force. Yeah. And, and, and we see that, too, in Gilgamesh uh, and a lot of things. And sometimes the father doesn't necessarily need to be a genetic father, it mm-hmm. often is. Yeah. But but it's something that you have to become one with. Gotcha. So after that, we've got apotheos. Is that how we say it? Apotheos? Apotheosis. Apotheosis. This is the point in which the greater understanding is achieved, armed with new knowledge and perception. The hero is resolved and ready for more difficult part of the adventure. And for Luke, I think it's in that cave yeah. when he has that vision and he cuts off Luke Skywalker's—I mean, not Luke, Darth Vader's—you know—head, mm-hmm. and he says underneath the helmet, "It's him." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, that's that's foreshadowing not only who his father is, but that he could fall to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm like uh, I, I feel like atonement with the father. And apotheosis are kind of the same thing in uh, A New Hope. Kind of like, I don't know, it's, huh. I'm kind of thinking like that scene kind of functions as the same kind of like, if you really think about it, it's like Luke sees Obi-Wan Kenobi get struck and disappear, not die, just like vanish. And, I mean, it's not like Luke sits on the Millennium Falcon as like, oh my goodness, did you guys see that? Did you guys see that? That's that's insane. Maybe Apotheosis is, uh... Huh. So, I, I'm going to say, and just talking about, we haven't talked about this event, mm-hmm. the Apotheosis might be when, he heard, when he's in the Death Star... In the X-wing, and he hears Ben's voice. That's 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 what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. And then the next step is the ultimate boom, is that one in a million shot. Yeah, yeah. And, and for for Harley Quinn, you know, it's this apotheosis, you know, that first that that insanity gives her freedom, mm-hmm. but then she discovers that the freedom is with from within. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That's that that makes sense. I I really don't know too much about like uh Harley Quinn other than 
a couple of uh, Batman the Animated Series comic books and the original run of Batman the Animated Series and uh, Batman Beyond. Yeah. Where she played the grandmother of several of uh, gang members of the Jokers. Yes. Um, and, and, I mean, and you could shoehorn anything into this, oh, yeah. but I think there are certain ones that just... It, it, it's much more obvious. Sure. And especially since, you know, Lucas worked, you know, with Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, as obvious, you know. Uh, but I think a lot of stuff that you, you'd be amazed. And then there's some that the writers skip. Mm-hmm. There's some that the writers skip. And especially as we get down to the third part, it's going to be harder and harder but you know what? It's that's because I think that we don't see as much story art. It's mm-hmm. easier to find something in that and say a series, yeah, than say one episode. Yeah, yeah. But I have to say, right now we're at the ultimate boon, which is kind of like the thing. Like this is this is the point where you get the MacGuffin. This is the point where you learn the trick from the ancient master. This is the point where you find the cave entrance, or not the cave entrance, you're at the back of the cave, and you're reading the ancient stuff that a dragon writ so that you can, like, shout stuff at people. I mean, (laughs) this is the ultimate boon. Next time, we're going to return, and then we're going to bring our ultimate boon, and we're going to... You know, we're gonna do what needs to be done to finish off this monomyth. But Dave, the ultimate boon—that's that's 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 like what 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 are some famous ultimate boons that you can? Think well, of? I think I think the the, the classic two that come to mind: mm-hmm. Excalibur. Yeah. And Gilgamesh is the lizard that he goes down to hell to bring back the Lizard of Immortality after Enkidu dies. Ooh. You know which one I was thinking of? What were you thinking of? Ash's Chainsaw Arm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for Ash Campbell, not Ash Campbell, for, uh, um, I, (laughs) I was thinking, like, um... You were thinking Bruce Campbell. Yeah, Bruce Campbell, but for, uh... Bruce Campbell's character Ash in uh, Evil Dead 2, I feel like the ultimate boon is like chainsaw arm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you could, you know, let's uh, Ashley, Ashley J. Williams. Let's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we got a moment. Listeners, play with us. Um, we're going. Let's 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 run him so far. A call of adventure. Uh, yeah, he gets invited to the to the uh, the house in the woods. You know, he doesn't quite accept it. Uh, the supernatural aid is, and I don't really watch. <laughs> very, it's been a long time since I watched the original movies, but wasn't there some things written by the the anthropologist there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um... Uh, there was uh, books and stuff. That th- there was a, a tape recorder that they uh, played that uh, was like had the ne- Necronomicon on it. Yeah, and, and the crossing of the, you know, the crossing of the threshold. Where we we see that you know literally going into the cabin, but being sucked through the time warp. Yeah, yeah. And, and the belly of the whale is like all these hallucinogenic things he sees. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, you know the road of trials. You know, when all these little tiny ashes try to kill him and deadites. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm thinking of, like, all kinds of things. Like, you can have Road of Trials being, like, the initial time of going through the basement to get the stuff that he needs to get. Uh, Meeting with a goddess. Like, uh, his girlfriend returning and, like, you know, uh, then... You know, he thinks it's his girlfriend, but nope, it's not. It's, it's, It's a witch lady. And, you know, it's like... The worst of the worst happens. Um, then he's like, "Oh, I got to get my stuff together." Uh, Atonement with the Father Abyss. I'm going to say is him uh, losing his hand, his hand uh, cutting itself, or him cutting himself, his hand off. And then the ultimate boon is uh, the chainsaw. 
so so I think atonement of the Father and apotheosis is kind of the same here. Yeah. Is this is the nature of the universe? Yes. That these things are real, and it, 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 it's almost like you know he failed his sanity role and called Cthulhu. <laughs> he gets five points of Cthulhu mythos. So, but it, yeah. So then this time, it's it's the father is not necessarily a father figure. Mm. It's the nature of the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll have more about Groovy. Joseph. <laughs> We'll have some more uh, Joseph Campbell for you primitive screwheads next time. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to call anyone primitive Right or wrong, I'm the one with the podcast. Shop smart, shop S smart. Uh, yeah, no, um, we'll, we'll be talking some more, uh, I almost said Bruce Campbell. Uh, we'll be talking some more Joseph Campbell and the monomyth, the final part, the return. And, yeah, um, let you know what's going on around town, and Dave will have another interview. But thank you so much for listening to 11.30 a.m. KZOM, Oleander, Oregon, the place to be and be seen. Thank you again so much. And, Dave, anything you have to say before we head out today? And just if you can't be seen, it's the place to be here and be heard. Oh, yeah. You know what? We should talk to uh, some folks about having that be changed anyway all right we'll talk to you later everyone and thank you for listening to radio free oleander i have been db spitzer with farmer dave thank you again bye the goats say bye they actually say bye